Hey, what is up, y'all? And welcome to this episode of I Am Northbound. I am back. I mean, I say that, kind of am. I've been setting up the studio, ready to get back into things, but it has been quite a while since I've recorded my last episode of I Am Northbound. Man, how much has changed since then? It has been ridiculous. I had some personal life stuff go on, and it kind of threw me down for the count for a bit, but, you know. I'm back. I'm good to go. And uh, yeah, just reassessing how I'm going to be running the podcast and setting things up on the back end. And my goodness, it's been a journey. But I'm here and I'm recording this episode for you. And it's just between you and me, okay? This is not going to be anywhere else. I'm not putting this on Instagram. I'm not going to be posting about it on Twitter. I'm not telling anyone else about it. This is just to see if you're still checking out my podcast in your podcast feed. You're only going to be getting this episode right here. And the truth is, is because I'm going to be giving you one of the episodes that I usually charge money for, for free, okay? I'm going to give it to you for free. Now, what do you mean I'm charging money for episodes? Well, I actually set up, if you don't know about it, at IamNorthbound.com. I've been running an inner circle there for the last oh, nearly year now. I've been working one-on-one with music artists as part of like a inner circle type program where I work with them uh, to you know, find their motivation and you know, get their music out there, promote it and speak to their audiences. And we've done some crazy things. Like for some people, I mean, I took a guy from zero uh followers on TikTok and Instagram reels to over 4 million views in a month. Uh, another guy got interviewed by like GQ magazine, landed up on a New York Times billboard. Uh, <laughs> it's been crazy. Well, there was another guy who got 250,000 streams on Spotify. It's just insane. Um, learned so much working one-on-one with music artists and that's admittedly what has been taking out most of my time. Um, but I've also been creating a weekly summary for my inner circle to tell everyone what's working. So instead of just working one-on-one, I do a weekly episode called Real Talk in which I dive into advanced music marketing stuff, behind the scenes kind of things, and what's working for everyone. So that if it's benefiting one person, it can benefit other people as well. And yeah, even though I haven't been doing I'm Northbound episodes, I think I'm up to nearly episode 50 of uh, Real Talk. I've been doing so many of them each week. And uh, yeah, you can get them if you join the I'm Northbound Inner Circle. You don't have to work with me one-on-one. You can just go access because that has a waiting list, but you can access Real Talks like straight away. And there's like a whole bunch. Uh, you'll get access to this year's Real Talk catalog. And I think there's already like eight or nine episodes up this year. Uh, but yeah, every single week they're going up. And um, as I get back into the swing of things with I Am Northbound, I'll start releasing episodes every couple of weeks. Uh, but that's where my priority is going to the music artists that are going to implement it and Everyone who's over there on the I Am Northbound Inner Circle have you know, been seeing great results as a, uh, as a result of listening to Real Talk. So go check it out if you haven't already. This week's episode is going to be diving in to uh, one of those Real Talk episodes. I've also quietly behind the scenes, I think I told you this last year that I was going to release an updated version of the 40s songwriter, but that classic Jason has turned into a brand new book. It's not just the 40s songwriter anymore. It's pretty much brand new from scratch, and I'm... It's become a way bigger project than I thought it was going to be. So as I'm working on that, um, I'm going to let you know about little chapters and secrets and stuff that I come up with along the way. And for my real talk in a circle, I did read one of the chapters of the brand new book that I'm writing out to them early. And I figured I want to give that to you as well, because uh, when Christmas time came around, everyone was getting their end of year Spotify wraps, uh, wrap up, sorry, saying, uh, you know, the biggest 
you know, album that you listen to this month or so this year or the, the this is the podcast you listen to the most. And a lot of people were putting up saying that I Am Northbound was their number one podcast of the year, which blew my mind. I didn't think that anyone particularly cared about this show, to be honest. But as soon as I stopped posting, everyone kept saying how much they missed it, which has been so humbling and came at a really important time in my life. I want to let you know that. So thank you so much for the support. Um, but yeah, I've always been thinking about how I can bring it back better than ever. And while this isn't an official episode of I Am Northbound, it's just a little secret bonus just for you for being a loyal podcast listener um, I will be back at it soon okay I don't know how far away that will be but I guarantee you it's not going to be as long as it has been last time I can see myself being up and running again once the new set is built uh, which should be a week or two away and then I will be back into the swing of things creating more content for you for free as part of I Am Northbound to help you with your music career and reaching those uh, that can really benefit from hearing your creative vision uh, I am pivoting a little bit with my angle instead of just providing Providing basic music marketing stuff that everyone else is doing in the space. I'm going to be talking about advanced psychological applications of tactics and things you can use to have the next level advantage. And in today's episode uh, of Real Talk that I'll be showing you, I dive into uh, this filmmaking technique called the Kuleshov effect and how you can use it to understand uh, the psychology behind the pre-framing that your, that your audience receives before interacting with your specific content. It's about an episode about context. And I really think if you're into the advanced nerdy stuff, you're going to love it. Uh, if you're not, this episode might be a little bit too crazy to come back in on. Maybe I should have eased into the Kuleshov effect. But if you want to see some of the stuff that I'm doing inside the Real Talk um, in a circle, then yeah, this is going to be an insight into that. Anyway, have a fantastic week. I hope you love this episode. Do reach out and let me know if you checked out this episode. You know what? I'm going to give you a code word. Um, the code word is going to be passion fruit. If you DM me on Instagram, passion fruit, I'll give you a surprise. That's This is going to be a secret, extra secret layered within the secret uh, for people to let me know that you're still checking out the podcast and I've got something special for you. So uh, yeah, uh, enjoy this episode and I will talk to you soon. Hey, what is up everyone? And welcome to episode number 37 of Real Talk. Boy, do I have something cool planned for you today. I uh, don't know if you know, I have said this several times on previous episodes, but maybe you're new and you haven't heard me say it before, but I am currently working on a revised version of the 4D Songwriter, but I don't feel like that's the best way to explain it because usually revised versions are pretty much like the same book, just with like a few little minor tweaks and maybe a few extra chapters. But this is like, I'm rewriting the book like from start to finish. So it is essentially like the next book in the series, if that makes sense, uh, even though it's not a series. It just reads like that because even though the structure is the same and there's still the same dimensions, roughly, like, roughly speaking, it's close, but roughly speaking, you know, um, I say roughly speaking, but it's, it's the same book in at its skeleton, but uh, the actual meat on the bones, so to speak is completely different. And I've added so much new stuff that it will read like a brand new book to you when you eventually read it. Uh, I'm not sure if you know, but um, as far as I'm aware, it's still going ahead. IDK is doing a Harvard business course at the, the, the end of this year-ish kind of thing. I think around September, October. Um, and yeah, we're still working out details, but the 40 songwriter is going to be um, one of the core books for the students to read. So I'm trying to get this version done before then so they can use it as part of that Harvard course, but you will get access to it as well. And even better than that, today I'm actually going to be reading you something that I've written for the book um, 
so you can get access to it way before it even comes out. How cool is that? So this episode is going to be a little bit like an audiobook recording. I'm just going to read it out to you, what I've written for a specific chapter. Um, this may change by the time it's implemented into the book. And uh, yeah, I mean, you're the first to hear it. So let me know what you think. I will let you know that this is probably some of the more abstract and advanced stuff that I've written for the book. So this isn't really an indicator of what the rest of the book will be like, because this is like a bit of an outlier chapter. But I used to think that whenever I dive into like the psychology behind like music and, um, you know, persuasion tactics and all the different, even like neuroaesthetic modeling and all this kind of stuff, like um, specific design with, you know, scientific research to back it up. I thought that was too far removed from just music marketing. And I thought that um, a lot of people wouldn't find that interesting, but I mean, turns out a lot of you do. So for, if you are one of those people that like the advanced stuff, you're going to love this episode. If you are more like um, just trying to get your branding sorted and all that kind of stuff first and, stuck on figuring out your motivation, this chapter might not be for you. But still, hopefully you enjoy it. I'm very proud of it, and I love how it's come out. So I hope you do too. Anyway, without further ado, I'm going to be talking to you about the Kuleshov effect in film and how it should apply to you on a psychological level for the content you release on social media, okay? The Kuleshov effect is incredibly important for modern filmmaking. It has been described as the single most important concept to editing and is something that you are exposed to every single day if you watch TV or films. Uh, but what exactly is the Kuleshov effect and why would a film technique be so important for your music? Well, those are two separate questions. First of all, let's talk about what it is. After, we'll discuss its implementation and how you can use it to become the puppet master of your content and make your listeners feel exactly how you intend to make them feel with your music and content. In 1910, Lev Kuleshov, a Russian filmmaker that was considered to be one of the first film theorists, posed a question, what made cinema a distinct art separate from photography, literature, or theater? Today, this question seems to have a very simple answer, but in the early 1900s, filmmaking was only just beginning to emerge as its own art form. Kuleshov wanted to create a real distinction between the artistic mediums. He argued that art was defined by what, made, by what it was made of and how those materials were arranged. And as filmmaking al allowed a director to intentionally manage the exact order of the images the audience was exposed to, it stood the best chance of benefiting from this forced association. To prove his point, Kuleshov created an iconic piece of film that became an example of this principle in effect. In this short film, Kuleshov first showed a close-up of the expressionless face of a male actor, and then he cut suddenly to a different image. Some were innocent, like a plate of soup, but others were outright creepy, before returning to that exact same shot of the expressionless male actor. This by itself may seem uninteresting on the surface, however, it couldn't be further from that description. When this film was shown to audiences, people believed that the expression on the actor's face was different each time he appeared, depending on the image that preceded it. After the image of the plate of soup, the audience believed the actor to look hungry. After the I image of a woman laying across a divan, the audience, began the audience believed the actor to look as though he was filled with lust and desire. The twist came when the audience discovered that the close-up shot of the actor's face, the face that the audience swore changed after each shot, was not only the exact same expressionless face, but was also the exact same piece of footage. 
There were absolutely no differences between the actors' faces because every face was identical. The audience added their own individual meaning to an image based on what preceded it, while assuming that they were merely observing a change that was being forced upon them. Nope, it was much more of an active conclusion than they might have initially thought. Why is this? Well, we humans are influenced by associations and think in a way that is known as spreading activation. And our brains are made up of a semantic network, a giant web, interconnected sorry, web of knowledge that contains everything we've learned over our entire lives. In this network, each concept or node is linked to others that are related in some shape or form. Whenever a node becomes activated, all other nodes that are connected to that specific node become activated as well, thus spreading activation. Our thoughts are usually linked by these nodal connections, even the ones that present themselves as disjointed and random. We learn the same way too. We relate new concepts to existing knowledge. In order to learn something new, we first must connect it to previously established knowledge. Sometimes our brains will look for shortcuts, and associations can provide exactly this. We don't have a lot of time to do the calculations on certain connections, so we rely a lot on assumptions in our associations. Think of influencer marketing. If we see someone we respect representing a certain product, we will be more likely to trust that product too by assuming the respect by association. This is a similar thing to why putting certain products that are... that can make people feel disgusted like cigarettes or mayonnaise next to cookies can make the cookies also seem disgusting. That was a study done by Morales and Fitzsimmons in 2007. More or less, if two things are placed beside one another, whether physically or conceptually, our brains link the two and assume that they are related. We then transfer these sometimes irrelevant features to the next thing and believe it to be an established truth of context. Shortcutting these calculations usually save us a lot of time and have saved the butts of our ancestors, though sometimes, like demonstrated in the Kuleshov effect, they can create a certain context or meaning that was never there. Do you think that we view and respect each new piece of information or media entirely on its own merit? Do you think that your brain resets between TV commercials? Do you think that you would view an advertisement for a sale at your local grocery store the exact same way, whether it was preceded by a separate advertisement for a local car yard that annoyed you or a pet rescue charity that made you feel sad? You wouldn't. We are far too susceptible to seemingly irrelevant preceding context. But more on that later. When the audience was shown the Kuleshov film, they truly believed that they were seeing new, different footage in between the shots. In fact, Podovkin, who later claimed to be the co-creator of the experiment, said that the audience raved about the acting. Each face, as you know, was exactly the same. Kuleshov used this experiment as a way to indicate the effectiveness of film editing. He clearly demonstrated that viewers bring their own emotional reactions to a sequence that are the result of the preceding material and attribute those personal manufactured feelings onto the next piece of content they are exposed to. It is an understatement to say that this technique revolutionized the film industry. But you are not in the film industry. You're a music artist. So how, how does the Kuleshov effect affect you? To answer this question, let's first revisit the example I gave previously about your feelings when watching a TV commercial. Most people assume that each new piece of content they consume is viewed on its own merit, but truth be told, the way we view the content is significantly pre-framed by whatever they viewed previously. 
To put it simply, if you watch an, an advertisement that frustrated you, you'll be more aware of the elements that frustrate you in the next advertisement you watch, and that next advertisement will seem more frustrating than it probably is, even if slightly. And if you watch the advertisement that makes you feel sad, you'll be more aware of the elements that make you feel emotional in the next advertisement you see. The human brain is a funny thing, but it does make sense when you think about it. It seems silly to consider the opposite, that we are automatically mentally wiped the slate clean after each piece of content we consume, but how can knowing this be used to our advantage? On a macro level, we can consider the context that is surrounding our content when it will be viewed and the state of mind that the consumers will be in when engaging with our content. If we want people to receive us well, we should put them in that state of mind before they engage with our content. Or by utilizing a psychological method known as priming, we could expose them to content that activates the certain parts of the brain that would automatically associate our contact with that content, sorry, with that same stimuli. But diving into the intricacies of priming is stepping too far away from the core message of this chapter. In his book, Presuasion, Robert Cialdini, the professor of psychology and marketing at Arizona State University, describes the next level of this interesting phenomenon. He explains that, as with most automatic responses, humans default to an inbuilt primitive bias. If you found yourself in a spooky, dark, and eerie forest surrounded by the sounds of intimidating wildlife, would you prefer to A, stumble across a large group of people sitting around a campfire, or B, start making noise that attracts more attention to you as you fumble your way through the darkness? Chances are that you'd probably choose the first option. That's because we humans have a natural inbuilt interest in seeking safety in numbers when we feel unsafe. It would not be a smart decision to want to continue wandering aimlessly through unknown territory, especially if you are drawing unnecessary attention to yourself. But if you found yourself attracted to someone and wanted to ask them out on a date, would you prefer that A, you were just one of many that asked that person out that day? or B, that you were the only person that asked them out that day. You would likely prefer the second option. This is because we have learned over the years that a crowd, as safe as it can be, can also bring with it unnecessary competition, competition that would make it difficult for us to reproduce. So in situations like this, where we are looking to be chosen for something, we will wish to stand out as being noticed uh, will give us the advantage that we're looking for. So how is this applicable to context? Cialdini states that if your message is pushing the idea of the crowd, such as Ford advertising that the new F-150 pickup truck is America's largest selling truck for 39 years, notice the emphasis on social proof, everyone is buying this truck, so you should too, you should consider how well your message aligns with the context that precedes it. Pushing a message of social proof like this will work best after the consumer is exposed to a piece of content that makes them feel unsafe as they will naturally respond well to messages that paint pictures of joining the crowd. However, this kind of message will likely not resonate well with an audience that has just been exposed to a piece of content that romantically sorry, arouses them. For example, as they will subconsciously be wanting to avoid the crowd and stand out instead. Perhaps Ford could change their message when it's provided in this context to shift the angle from America's largest selling truck for 39 years to get ready to stand out, as a message like this will align much better with their audience's cognitive expectations. 
I want you to consider the mind state of your potential audience when you're choosing your messages. Sometimes this can be simple, like in situations where you control the surrounding context, but in other times it can prove to be more tricky. No one knows what the social media algorithm will display to your listeners before they see your content. In fact, each person will, will likely be shown something different, like altogether. So, so how could you possibly craft your messages to reflect an inbuilt cognitive alignment on social media? Social media requires a slightly different, albeit fundamentally similar approach. Instead of thinking you must craft your messages for each of the individual situations that they will be received in, as that would be impossible on a platform like Instagram, you must think broader. Ask yourself, why are people, why are people opening sorry, this social media platform in the first place? What, what are they looking for? What is the itch that they're looking to scratch by engaging with your content? Once you answer these questions and tr truly understand the mindset of the motivation of your listener, you'll be able to create messages that align with this cognitive expectation. Why do they open Instagram? To see social content, to get to know people, to be entertained, to pass time to avoid boredom because they have five minutes to kill on their lunch break, because they feel lonely, because they don't want to miss out on what is popular. You can easily shape and modify your messages to make them align and resonate with your audience's inbuilt expectations. For example, instead of stating that your new single is out, craft your marketing message to explain exactly how this new song will align with their cognitive expectations. How will your new single scratch the itch that they naturally have based on the content they have just opened the app for? Well, that's it. Hope you enjoyed it. As I said, it is definitely a kind of chapter that expects you to think outside of the box. Uh, but by understanding the Kuleshov effect, I really feel like you can create content that uh, can give the perception of a difference, even if certain things preceding it were the same. Or also, if you can create content, you can prime and pre... Uh, create images on the front end that will therefore make your actual message you're trying to get to be easier to process fluently. Again, let me know what you think of this kind of stuff. I personally love it, and I think that it gives a ton of um, advantage to any music artist that hears it, because I don't think anyone else is talking about this kind of stuff uh, and its application to the music industry. Uh, so yeah, let me know what you think. If you want more of it, let me know. Personally, I would love to be the guy that's known for this kind of stuff, so I love doing this. Um, but yeah, I do understand if for some people you're like, huh? <laughs> Anyway, hope you're doing fantastic. Hope you love this episode of Real Talk. Do reach out. Let me know if you have any questions you would like me to answer because I'm going to start doing those Q&As in the near future. And until then, I will talk to you soon. Have a fantastic week. Hey, before you go, if you want more content like this, like advanced music psychology stuff that no one else is talking about, then you need to join the I Am Northbound Inner Circle. Each week, you're going to get access to a private podcast that I record just for my one-on-one -on -one music artist, in which I break down the best stuff I've researched that week and the best tactics and strategies that are working for my music artists in that inner circle. So if you want the most up-to-date stuff that you can implement right away to grow your music career, then you need to join the I Am Northbound Inner Circle. All you have to do is click on any of the real talk videos at imnorthband.com and you'll see the link to sign up. I'll see you on the inside.